Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a show about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hi everyone. Hi Quinn. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Finals is ruining my life, but other than that, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm in the same boat as you. Yes. I have a project due tomorrow. It's a great time. <laughs> it's the coding one, right? Yeah, I'm coding a website. <sighs> you said you always wanted to know how to code. I changed my mind. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. I do want to know how to code. I just don't like this class at all because it's terrible. So we're going we're gonna to move on from here. Do you still want to minor in it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I've decided to not torture myself anymore. It's a new it's leaf good. I'm turning. <laughs> Quinn's decided not to be a masochist anymore, so that's good. You know what? I'm working on it. <laughs> from now on, I'm just not going to take classes that make me hate everything and see how my life improves from there. Sounds like a good plan. Sounds like a good plan. So we actually have kind of good news, maybe, sort of, to start talking about. Yeah, definitely. So with the Dakota Access Pipeline, that's been in the news a lot lately. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a big, complicated topic. Um, we're going to do the best we can to dive right in. So this pipeline, um, they've been working on it for years. It's basically almost completed construction. It's mm-hmm. something like 90% built at this point. So originally it was going to pass nearby the city of Bismarck, but there were concerns about it contaminating the water supply, and there are a lot of people who live in Bismarck, Mm -hmm. so that was rejected, and then it was rerouted, but it was rerouted near the land of the Standing Rock Sioux, um, who were like, no, don't do that, Mm -hmm. um, because they had the same concerns of the potential of the pipeline contaminating their water. um, Which is not good. Clean water is always a must-have. Uh, yeah, shout out to Flint, Michigan, where there still is not clean water. That is something we'll come back to at the end of this topic, actually. Because there's concerns that there's not enough preparation in place if there are any leaks that they won't be able to contain, mm-hmm. if there are any problems with this pipeline. Um, so really big environmental problems, just overall with oil mm-hmm. pipelines, um, but especially in cases when they're close to water supply. And then also the... the Cultural clash, you know, with the with the Sioux tribe. And apparently the pipeline goes through some of their sacred religious land because a lot of the uh, burial grounds are there. Mm-hmm. So, Which is a huge concern. Definitely. Definitely a huge, huge thing. And we're going to get into, like, the, the specifics of this case, but we can we take a moment, please... Could the United States stop being so awful to Native Americans for, like, seven seconds? Like, we'll we'll even take six seconds, honestly, at this point. Why does this happen over and over again? Like, why is it so hard to just let Native Americans live in the country where they live? They were literally here first. They have never done anything to, like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. So there's been a lot of disease and a lot of war, and now we're building pipelines. So because of these concerns um, from Native American tribes and other people in the area, and as it's gotten more and more attention, people have come in nationwide, um, there have been huge protests. I mean, thousands of Mm -hmm. people protesting this pipeline, literally with their bodies, um, standing in the way of it being built. Mm -hmm. Shailene Woodley actually was one of the people who protested. Yeah, good old Shailene. She's a... Big hippie. <laughs> haven't seen her? No, that's a lie, because I was going to say haven't seen her since Secret Life of the American Teenager, which I was not allowed to watch, even though I totally watched it anyway. Um, and, but no, she was more recently in The Falls in Our Stars. Yeah. There were there were a bunch of celebrities that put their support about mm-hmm. it. Shailene was one of the early ones um, mm-hmm. who helped bring a lot of attention to uh, the protests that were going on. Mark Ruffalo has done yep. some work mm-hmm. with them. Um, but again, like, the majority of this are actual, just, like, people who live there, um, Mm -hmm. who are standing in the way of this being built. Um, there's, there are literal standoffs, um, between the people on the construction side and these, these basically huge communities that have, um, sprung out, camping out in front of where they're trying to build. So this has been going on for months, um, and there's, as time has gone on, it's gotten more and more attention, and there's been um, more and more controversy on both sides. And recently, there were huge problems with um, violence at the protests. Apparently, what happened was the protesters were trying to move um, some 
trucks that were standing in the way of, they said, um, emergency supplies reaching the people in the camps. And so they were trying to move them. And then like law enforcement officials used water cannons, uh, stun guns, tear gas, um, these kinds of techniques to get them out of the way and disperse them in 20 degree weather. Mm -hmm. Um, So many people had to be taken to the hospital for things like hypothermia and and injuries. Um, So there was a huge outrage over that, of course. I mean, like, of course, that's just horrible on any level that um, um, this violence. And then there's also the fact that this is literally around Thanksgiving time. And we, the American people are celebrating this holiday that's supposedly about friendship and respect with Native Americans mm-hmm. while they're literally being blasted by water cannons for protecting their land. Just... America. <laughs> America. And this just sort of brings up an interesting point about the takings, takings clause of the Fifth Amendment, which basically states, um, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So basically, this happens when the government sort of takes private property and sort of diminishes its value. And the Sioux tribe feels that by building this pipeline, it will detract from like their utility and from their value of their sacred burial grounds. And the only way this can sort of be remedied from a libertarian perspective is if the government provides some sort of just compensation, which of course, you know, brings up the question, what is just compensation? Um, And some people think, oh, well, it's like the market value of the land. Uh, Well, sort of, but honestly, it's all about what price, I mean, I hate to call it price, but what value the Sioux tribe would be willing to sell it at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, we're, again, like looking at the basic economic concepts, like that's what mm-hmm. it breaks down to on the most fundamental level is um, how much is this invasion of land and the risk of water contamination worth? Because in hypothetical economic terms, you can put a mon- monetary value on anything. So that the question would be like, how much money would it take for that to be just compensation? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the issue that people are concerned about is, well, that doesn't mean anything because that can mean like they can ask for, you know, ridiculous amounts of money and like all of these things. But then so that would mean it's a distribution problem, not necessarily an efficiency problem. So to explain that a little bit. So a distribution problem would be, oh, like they're not being they're paying too much or they're paying too little. And it's about the distribution of financial resources as opposed to an efficiency problem, which is basically coast efficiency. Um, no party is made worse off by in, by doing this change or something like that. And so obviously um, this would detract from the Sioux tribe's utility. And so that's problematic for them. So in this case, it would not be efficient, at least for them. Um, And so then if they did decide to give up their land at a more, at more of a reasonable price to them, then it may not be fair on a distribution level, as in like, maybe it's, maybe the government thinks it's too high or something like that. But from an efficiency perspective, it works out. Then there's the argument that, well, if this is the case, and if we all took the takings clause like as is, and we took it very literally, then I feel like then people think, oh, well, I feel like then a lot of projects, a a lot of public works projects wouldn't be taken seriously, because then we'd be missing out on surplus because people wouldn't sell their land or wouldn't give into government at the price that the government offers. And then that also means that if the government doesn't or if the government doesn't want to sort of pay the amount of money that they think is fair and then the people or the tribe that they owe the money to doesn't want to do it and it doesn't get done, sure, like that's bad. But then again, that also like if they if it was the economically efficient move on all levels, it would be done without providing the just compensation to begin with. But of course, this all happens in a vacuum and in the lovely world called economics, where nothing is really applicable outside of this little white space called um, this empty room where everything economicsy happens in theory. Economicsy. Economicsy. That is my that is my scientific term. No, I do think it is useful in some ways to break it down to those like very basic terms just to have a framework for thinking about it in that way because I mean that's like strictly speaking in a perfect world that is how it plays out economically but mm-hmm. 
economics doesn't really... Economics makes fundamental assumptions about the rationality of people, mm-hmm. uh, which is not how the real world works at all. Right. So, like, these models have to be adjusted. Plot twist, not all people are rational. What? <laughs> I know, I was shocked as well. No, but the thing is, like, also just from an economics perspective, it's just, like, these things... Like I said, these things do happen in a vacuum, and there are barriers to entry in the real world and things like that. But also, it's helpful to look at it from an economics perspective, even though it might not be applicable in real life, just to sort of see where the things get blurry and things get um, things get muddled when we start taking definitions into account. Like, what is private property? What is public property? Um, does the government technically? What does the government technically own? And things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when the lines become more blurred, and that's when things get confusing. Could we say, from an economic perspective, um, if we're looking at things like just compensation and how much land is actually worth to people, could we say that in this case, and it's example of this land is worth so much to these people that there is no reasonable just compensation, which is justification for why it should be rebuilt in a different place, because it, the land is too valuable? From that perspective, yes. But then also, there's this whole argument that the government, sort at least with law and the way government works, the government can sort of, not manipulate, but manipulate how things are interpreted, and they can say that this is their land. And Because the whole thing is, with this theorem, with this taking taking's clause to be sort of taken from the theoretical perspective that economists would like it to be taken from, where it's it requires property rights to be firmly established. And the problem is, I feel like the property rights that are established aren't really taken into account by government, by the government necessarily in all cases. Mm-hmm. So it's defining the property rights that are the problem, and then once we get there and we're sure about what who owns what and what is owned by whom, then we can move forward and sort of try to come to a compromise and then move forward from there. And of course, like all of this is important to consider, even though the like the government itself is not building the pipeline in this case, but these companies need to get these permits from the government um, in order to use land that is owned by private citizens. And it gets very complicated and mushy in that way. Mm-hmm. In this case, specifically, the Army Corps of Engineers denied the permit for construction of this section of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing that the protesters were here for, basically, um, the Army Corps of Engineers said, yes, okay, we are going to deny this permit because of these environmental um, and land concerns and say that actually you can't build here and you have to renegotiate and reroute this pipeline. So I feel like this they're sort of now at a standstill because everything's put on pause, but it's it's sort of like a mini victory, sort of, for I mean, the tribe. It's definitely a victory, um, at least for today. Mm-hmm. I, there were definitely, people were incredibly excited. There were a lot of celebrations. Unfortunately, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um because, I mean, no one's actually left yet. Everyone is right. still there, which mm-hmm. is really unfortunate because it's going to be winter soon. I mean, it is already winter. This is a fairly northern area. Um, and so they're suffering um, with really low temperatures and snow, and it's going to get very dangerous to be out there soon. Mm-hmm. But they say that they're not leaving until the uh, construction sites leave and that everything um, is at least temporarily shut down. And with all this, I mean, there is a o- bigger question is that, like, should we even be building oil pipelines? Like, are they environmentally and economically worth it? What is the balance there? And that's a whole different question. It's really not, I don't think, a relevant question for this because it's pretty much already built. Like, this pipeline already exists. Um, there's mm-hmm. no oil going through it yet, but I would be shocked um, if it wasn't completed construction and... Uh, oil was flowing in a few years and that is always going to cause problems there are always going to be issues with water um but i am like i I can't help but be happy that this huge protest and these struggles did amount to like at least a small victory in this case i just feel like it seems like such a small victory but the fact that people are getting genuinely excited and that 
justifiably excited. I just feel like also says a lot about even though this is such a small victory, but it's, it is still so huge to their movement. I feel like especially in 2016, when um, these protesters and other people who are supporting them have really suffered a lot in a lot of political spheres, um, that this kind of victory is really fortifying, which is exciting. So there has been a huge outpouring of veterans um, to the protest site to in support of Standing Rock, um, citing things like they, they swore an oath to protect uh, the people of the United States, and they're here to protect those people, um, the protesters, and to protect their water. A lot of people um, at the protest are calling themselves water protectors and saying that's their main mission here. And this also relates back to um, a parallel that a lot of people noticed while these protests were happening, which is the fact that in North Dakota here, they're fighting to keep clean water. Meanwhile, in Flint, Michigan, they still don't have clean water. Uh, it's been years, mm-hmm. and they still don't have clean water. And so these veterans that are um, have declared themselves water protectors and were protesting at Sandy Rock are talking about moving into Flint, Michigan next um, and protesting there and supporting the cause there to actually get new pipes put in and to provide clean water for the people of Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I think it's just something, I just feel like clean water is so important. It's just something that, especially I definitely take it for granted every day, Mm -hmm. but I just can't imagine how strenuous and just challenging life in general would be if you just didn't have access to clean water 24-7. I feel like clean water is one of those things that people, it's it's kind of a a buzzword thing for third world countries. where there's a lot of movement to get people in third world countries um, access to clean water, especially in cases of when people have to travel miles every day to mm-hmm. reach it and mm-hmm. providing it um, d- directly to them is hugely beneficial. And meanwhile, in our own country, we have these situations where people have to use bottled water for everything, um, which is hugely inefficient and expensive um, because the public infrastructure of their city just doesn't support them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, it's cool that some celebrities actually have been, you know, sort of trying to make this movement, at least in third world countries. I think Jay-Z went to Africa and was um, helped fund or he performed in the benefits, um, no, the uh, compensation that he received from his concerts went towards, you know, building um, or getting more, getting more access to public clean water sources, you know, because when you spend all that time getting water for your family, it's taking away time out of the day where you could, you know, be learning and going to school and things like that. So it's really a huge domino effect that can have a serious, serious lifelong consequences, not only from a health perspective, but from a social, academic, mental perspective as well. Mm-hmm. It's also especially a huge problem for women who are usually the ones that are stuck getting water and then yeah. are, their educational opportunities are really restricted. This is getting very off topic. So yeah, so back to the um, pipeline, yes. A lot of controversy, but a small prog- small step in, um, in the right direction, at least, especially for, you know, the Sioux tribe, and this is just so important to them. But also, this relates to our uh, favorite person in the world, Corinne. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so Trump actually has stock in some of the companies that would actually benefit from this pipeline. And in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about how Trump, as a businessman, has a lot of... Um, Conflicts of interest. Wasn't that last week? I think it's, yeah, I think it was last week where we talked about a lot of conflicts of interest. So this just sort of fortifies that and how he does have actually a lot of conflicts of interest. Mm hmm. Yeah, he owns stock in this apparently. Um, and one of the people who owns one of these companies donated to his campaign. And he's also, surprise, surprise, said that he would support the building of the pipeline. Quinn is, <laughs> Quinn's face right now is priceless. <laughs> I just, why is this, why is this happening? It just infuriates me so much. Okay, so, so many things about Trump infuriate me. But this kind of thing infuriates me especially because this is, this is the kind of stuff that kept Hillary from being elected is this concept of conflicts of interest um, and being too involved with elites and Washington insiders and all this kind of thing. Um, also... Quinn, guess who was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year? Why are we living in a nightmare? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is actually kind of interesting, because guess 
who else has been named person of the year? Who, Quinn? Um, Putin, Stalin, Hitler. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah, so... As... So frustrated that I am that Hillary did not win person of the year, which... Also, Hillary's just, like, living in the woods now. Have you seen this? <laughs> what? People keep running into her while she's hiking in the woods. She's just pulling a David Thore- Henry David Thoreau kind of thing? Or? I... Not really at all. Like, it's she's kind of like Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, okay. Like people are journeying into literally people are going into the woods to try to find her. Like they're going to the areas around where they know she lives. Where's and, Waldo? Where's Hillary? <laughs> where's Hillary? <laughs> what? Yeah. Which is just like that's just a silly aside. But I'm just like, uh, I keep seeing this alternate universe that we could have had. But alas, now she's just chilling in the woods and hanging out with her grandkids, which, all right. Honestly, though, that sounds like a lot nicer than being president. <laughs> I know. I mean, she deserves a break, but I feel like America got the president it deserved and not the president it needed. That was a Batman reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you just like, what? <laughs> I was like, that is so profound and yet so deep. How do you come up with these things on nope. a casual Wednesday afternoon? <laughs> That's from the Dark Knight. Oh. <laughs> uh, Yes, Heath Ledger, Christian Bale. But yeah, anyway, so great. Trump named Time Magazine's Person of the Year just to cap off a lovely 2016. I just, I would just like to say that I want a refund on this year, a full refund, not even an exchange, because 100% satisfaction, I know, was not guaranteed, but I still demand some sort of compensation for the amount of hoopla that we just had to go through. Are you demanding just compensation? Yes, I am demanding just compensation, Quinn. I know, and the really sad thing is I can totally understand why Time Magazine would not name Hillary Clinton Person of the Year, because can you even imagine what Trump would have done? He's a child. He would have reacted on Twitter, like, instead of going after the New York Times all the time, which he does, like, all of a sudden Time Magazine would be his um, target, and then he would be going after that. There would be a huge tweet storm. If that is the reason why they didn't choose Hillary... I'm very disappointed. Obviously, we have no way of ever knowing that. Um, and again, there is, like, there is a precedent, like mentioned before, like choosing Putin and stuff. Like, of the person of the year is not necessarily like humanitarian of the year. Mm-hmm. It's the person that they feel has made the biggest impact, and I mean, has had the most influence, good or bad. Yeah, and they're not wrong. He has had a huge impact. He's completely huge, shaken yeah. up the country and the entire world. And we'll continue to do so until we're all dead. Okay. Well, that took a lovely uh, <laughs> That took lovely a great turn. turn. <laughs> yeah, so can still continuing um, choosing his cabinet. Um, ben Carson is up for Housing and Urban Development Secretary. Um, and I did see a caption of a picture of him, and it's like, Ben Carson has no experience with public housing, but he did live in public housing once as a child. And... I have nothing against Ben Carson, but I just thought that was just, like, an interesting... I feel like that's not completely analogous to what I'm about to say, but that's like, oh, Jillian went to an Ikea once, so she is now a master of Swedish architecture. I had breakfast this morning, so I'm not qualified to be head of the FDA. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. But, yeah, so the article that I read, it's giving... It's um, Ben Carson... Um, is thinking about it. He's mulling it over. I don't know why that sentence, like, made me laugh, but it did when I read it. Because um, you can just picture him mulling it over, right? This is true. This is true. You know, like, making a pro and con list. I mean, that's what I would do. A Venn diagram. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Ben Carson has literally said that he doesn't feel like he's qualified to serve in the cabinet. And then he was like, eh, all right. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> I just... I know that Ben Carson is a brilliant surgeon. Uh, that just confuses me because the man always looks like he's kind of asleep. He and does he ta- have... Mm-hmm. And he talks like he's kind of always asleep. Hmm. Interesting. The man thinks the pyramids were made to store grain. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I just... Like, I would just prefer someone with a very firm grasp on reality. You know... I used to think that wasn't too much to ask. Uh, Quinn, it's, it's a lot to ask, apparently, especially this year. <laughs> apparently, it's way too much to Put ask. Put on your Christmas list for next year. Oh, man. All I want for 2017 is reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
um, oh, but yeah, uh, Donald Trump also had a conversation um, with Al Gore about the environment, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Uh, unexpected, I would say. Definitely. Definitely a little plot twist. As sad as this is, this might be one of the most unexpected things uh, that I've seen Trump do, because I feel like he keeps doing more and more ridiculous and terrible things, but they're not that surprising. But I was like, oh, you meant with a climate change activist? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won a Nobel Prize, too, for his work in um, climate change and for promoting uh, global warming, or at least getting people aware about it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, definitely interesting. So this definitely has... Um, given activists who are really passionate about the environment, you know, some, some silver lining, at least. Yeah, he called the conversation extremely interesting. Al Gore did? Yeah. Uh, Of course. I mean, I can hope that this is a good sign for the environment. Again, I think climate change is a huge issue. Like, uh literally could destroy the world huge is what we're dealing with not that the world is already destroyed politically but you know yeah but at least we can still you know survive on the planet at least there's still polar bears uh poor polar bears oh now i'm sad Uh, can i just say that my best friend we always make fun of her because she pronounces polar bears polar bears what so we'll be like hey what's your favorite animal and she's like i really like polar bears and we're just like polar bears, and she's like, guys, it's a polar bear. I'm just like, that's adorable. She's so cute, but just the pronunciation is just so off. Don't tell her that they're dying. Okay, I won't. I'll <laughs> keep that a secret. Well, apparently Trump will too. Mm, okay. So also, Al Gore met with Ivanka, which is still about Trump's conflicts of interest because supposedly Ivanka is supposed to be running his business, except she's also running his government. Also, why is Ivanka, like, the first lady? Have you noticed this? I mean, she's, like, very active, I think. Like, she's very smart. She's pretty capable. Um, And I feel like Melania has sort of taken a backseat through all of this, which I don't necessarily blame her because she she has... I believe she has said that she's not well-versed, you know, in, like, politics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very interesting because it seems pretty clear that Melania is... They said that Melania is going to stay in New York um, and raise Baron and just do that. And then it's pretty becoming pretty clear that, like, Ivanka's going to do the first lady things, which is interesting. It's well, very... It's not... This is not a normal thing that happens, so... Yeah, and her husband also is... Was, like, the guy behind um, Trump's entire campaign. But... Back to the Al Gore topic. A lot of my problem with, like, this is just um, the fact that a lot of people, like myself included, think that, like, very hardcore conservatives are in denial and that don't believe climate change exists. But I think more of the conservative standpoint is that, yes, it exists. Like, you can't deny the fact that we as humans are obviously polluting our environment. We have factories, we have cars, um, and we're just, like, throwing things, you know, throwing things in the environment. Well, not actually throwing, but you understand. Uh, Sometimes actually throwing. Okay, that too. But, um, and it's just, they don't think of it as sort of the forefront um, on, like, the list of priorities. And I think that's where liberals and conservatives really disagree, is over where they think that climate should be on the list of things to worry about. Um, But I do know that conservatives do get such a bad rep for... um, a lot of people think that they're in denial and actually they just have different priorities. So, yeah. I would say that is a good point and there definitely are um, Republicans who just like priority, prioritize mm-hmm. economics um, over the environment, which, because a lot of times those two are at odds, mm-hmm. um, as we talked about earlier with yeah. the Dakota Pipeline, which is also, which is a good point. There are, however, people who are in denial. Yes, this is true. And Trump did once say that climate change was a hoax made up by the Chinese. And no matter how many times he says that he didn't say it, we know that he said it, and so I'm still going to keep a close eye on him for climate change stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of climate change stuff, though, did you see the Weather Channel? The Weather Channel, like, went after Breitbart because Breitbart has been peddling all these fake things about how climate change is a hoax. Mm-hmm. And they're using this one graph from the Weather Channel um, to make it look like it is, but it's 
actually a really misleading graph. And so the Weather Channel put out this whole statement that was like, climate change is real. Stop using our data to make it look like it's not. Oh, yikes. Oh, my God. And it was just... And all these people were like, why is the Weather Channel getting political? And I was like, why is saying what is fact and what is not political to you? Poor Weather Channel. They're just trying to report the news. They're just trying to report the weather correctly. And sometimes they can't even do that because there have totally been days where (laughs) they said it would not rain. And alas, guess you had to walk home in the pouring rain. Like, just, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, we all have a love-hate relationship with the Weather Channel. Um, Well, for me, the Weather Channel app, because why would I watch the Weather Channel? But yeah, Um, but I have a little bit more fondness for them this week because... You know what? I am just a fan of science. And I understand that, especially with climate change and these kinds of things, science does get politicized and there are different ways to interpret data and there are valid arguments um, about the nuance of the topic. But some things are just facts and some things are just lies. And I like that they stood up and said, no, stop using our data to lie to people. Yeah. Anyway, I like that we have a couple of good things to talk about this week. I know. So positive. Uh, Backing away from that, though. Let's talk a little bit more about fake news. Hmm. Which, something we talked about recently, the spreading of false articles and that proliferation um, across Facebook especially. And now we have a very concrete, terrifying example of what happens when there is these spread of false conspiracy theories. So first of all, I also just want to say like a basic disclaimer kind of thing is when we say fake news, that's actually a really vague term because mm-hmm. it can mean different things. Um, it can mean just like blatantly made up stories. It can mean conspiracy theories that are picked out of um, certain real events or things that people said. Um, it can mean propaganda on the one side or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, we're talking specifically about a conspiracy theory called Pizzagate. Yes. So apparently there was an actually fake news report that said that Hillary Clinton was connected to some like child prostitution ring and it was all, all of this was happening under the guise of a pizza parlor called Comet. Comet Ping Pong. Comet Ping Pong. Which is an adorable name for a pizza parlor, may I just say. I wonder if there are actual ping pong, ping pong machines in there. No, wait. No. I'm mixing nope. up ping pong and pinball. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, anyways. So, ignoring that. Yeah, so apparently somebody took this to heart and actually went to um, Comet Ping Pong and tried to, you know, get to the bottom of it and by using violence, which is just... And it's just scary how, how dangerous fake news can be even though obviously like this does happen even with real um with real news and people get very passionate and do go on um spree sprees of violence and things like that but the fact that this was over something that was just completely ludicrous is just just boggles my mind yeah so this man um brought a gun into this pizza shop and fired i think they said at least once very luckily, no one was hurt. Mm-hmm, um, everyone God, yeah. is fine. Like, thank God. Um, but completely terrifying. Um, and th- this didn't just happen, like, straight out of nowhere. So the breakdown of what happened was, um, as far as we know, originated from a Reddit post um, after WikiLeaks um, released some emails uh, connecting John Podesta, who was Hillary's campaign manager, um, and Hillary to this pizza shop called Comet Ping Pong because the owner or the manager of the shop um, is a strong Democratic supporter. They held a campaign event for Hillary earlier in the campaign there, um, so they were in contact at some point about that. And I'm really not sure how or why this happened, but someone wrote this whole Reddit post analyzing... um, Comet Ping Pong and looking at all these people's social media and claiming that there were uh, pornographic images, mm-hmm. um, that there was satanic imagery, that there was, and then this escalated into s- claiming that there was a sex trafficking ring of children operating out of the basement of this building. I don't think there is a basement of the building, 
but this claim was made anyway. Um, they pulled pictures from these people's social media accounts of their own children and claimed that they were um, children that had been stolen and were kept there by force, um, that Hillary Clinton herself was going to this pizza shop and abusing children. Um, like, disgusting, outrageous claims. Um, and from this all had escalated out of this original post into these huge number of fake stories that were shared thousands of times, um, supposedly exposing Hillary for these terrible things that had been discovered, um, and the horrible case of these children being abused. And all of this is 100% made up, Mm -hmm. but this man believed it and went there Um, supposedly to protect these children and fired a gun and could have killed someone. Yeah, this just goes to show that it's just, like, such a sad world that we live in. It's just... uh, I don't know. I know, it's it's hard to talk about. And obviously this would be a lot more somber if someone had been shot, but thank God nobody was hurt. But it's just still such a serious issue. Mm-hmm. that we just have to deal with and uh, I don't know it just makes me very pessimistic about the future yeah and, and the people who work at this shop um had been receiving threats for a few weeks um like very horrible things said about them and that their lives being threatened their families being threatened their um addresses being exposed all of the unfortunately standard um threats and harassment that so many people especially women, have been subject to um, from online harassment campaigns. Yeah, it's just like, I feel like the people who run the store, it's just the emotional strife that they must have been under these past few weeks. It's just, they're just trying to make pizza. <laughs> like, I, know, I, I can't imagine. This is just a random local restaurant. I mean, granted, it's not as good as New York pizza, but still, like, everyone's <laughs> entitled to have their own pizza store and oh not have people try to shoot everybody for claims that aren't even remotely true. It makes me question, how was this person so convinced that this was true that they would go through the whole process of bringing a gun there and firing it? And, and I'm being serious, like, I feel like I, uh, enjoy a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> I well, I'm often easily convinced by very good conspiracy theories. Not, like, actually, but, like, if I read a very thorough account um, that Jillian was secretly a lizard person, like, there'd be a part of my brain forever that was like, maybe Jillian is a lizard person. Ooh, a lizard? Yeah. I feel like I'm more of an iguana, but I do see... You make some good points. But the concept of reading these conspiracy theories on the internet, um... And going so far as to really genuinely believing that there's a child sex trafficking ring um, that for somehow no one is picking up on except for a specific group of people. Mm-hmm. Like this specific group of people on Reddit um, and that the New York Times is not reporting on this. And it's like this whole um, web of conspiracy and... Uh, not believing the quote-unquote mainstream media and thinking that they're all in on a conspiracy and having so much hate and distrust for Hillary Clinton um, that you would believe that she would do this. This whole web of building and building um, distrust and conspiracy theories and fake news stories that builds into someone being so convinced that they're right. No, Yaquin, that's all completely valid. And just to go off this, just like in agreement with you that this person obviously did not do enough research to realize that this is completely fake, but he also seemed to put have put a, put a lot of effort into trying to remedy it by using violence. I just feel like, coming from a lazy college student, it's just, like, way too much effort for something that's not, that's not even, like, he doesn't even know is positively true. I mean, I guess he did believe that there was a high probability that he was going to, you know, save some people and save some kids, but, like, also, the expected value is probably not that high. I just, you would think that he would have done more thorough fact-checking mm-hmm. before resorting to guns. Yes. Um, I have never in my life faced a situation in which I did not choose fact-checking over guns. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, this stuff has always been an issue. Conspiracy theories have always been an issue. I mean, we had Salem witch trials. Like, 
this stuff is always going on and mob mentality is always going to happen but now we can have mob mentality from people all over the world connected together and we can have conspiracy theories that look like valid news sites well not to someone who's careful about it but to other people who these look like valid news sites and it just feeds into this and it's gonna be a problem until we can take care of the spread of false information Mm -hmm. long story short um always fact check and new york pizza is still the best so quinn guess what else is coming up what's coming up jillian the grammys yeah the nom uh the list of nominations um just came out i mean the grammys themselves aren't for like a couple more months though okay yes but you know i'm trying to be positive and say that it's coming up soon which you know it is sort of well at any rate the nominations were announced pretty good i will say pretty solid nominations Mm -hmm. Um, beyonce slade as per usual but uh, that's not really a big surprise i love beyonce she's great i hope she wins everything she's amazing also adele killed it like you go girl again power ladies all around I does I the problem is I like so many people who are nominated this year who I don't know who to root for, but I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and guess that Lemonade's gonna win Album of the Year. Mm-hmm. I do think though that Hello has a good chance of re- winning Record of the Year. I do think it does have a good chance. Seven Years by Lucas Graham was nominated for Record of the Year, and I don't think he's gonna win, but I kind of I can't he's kind of the underdog in this situation and I'm like oh what a sweetheart I do love that song it is a very catchy song oh work by Rihanna and Drake yes work is the only word that I can understand in that song but oh great piece of music great piece great song and 21 pilots is nominated for record of the year for their song stressed out which is a constant state of being that quinn and i are in all the time that's just like the soundtrack of my life (laughs) you know i love 21 pilots they're so great and i'm so happy that they're nominated for a grammy like uh yeah they're cool what a delight We also found out what the difference is between Song of the Year and Record of the Year. Yeah, which I feel like I have to look up every single year. I'm like, wait, what's the difference? But just to clarify, Record of the Year goes to the performer, and Song of the Year is to the writers. And we know that because, well, at least we will remember that from now on, because Record starts with R and Performer ends with R. So clearly they have to go together. Am I right? I don't know how your mind works. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I ask myself this every day. Oh, but Justin Bieber was also nominated for something, and oh, he has had such a comeback. I know. Purpose was really good. Purpose was so good. Not a huge fan of him um, as a person, but oh, he's problematic, fave. Strong problematic. But his music was fire. He he's well, he's nominated for Song of the Year for Love Yourself, which let's be real, Ed Sheeran probably wrote the vast majority of because it's such a great song. Oh, so good. So I do hope that they win that, if only so Ed Sheeran gets a Grammy because mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran deserves all the Grammys. I'm just gonna talk about rap for a little bit. Um, yeah, so Hotline Bling, great song. Broccoli, probably increase the sale of vegetables by a factor of 10 and also promotes healthy eating. So that's always great. Famous, of course, Kanye West and that whole controversy with um, Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian. Why is, why is Kim Kardashian always somehow relevant? She is our Lord and Savior. <laughs> also, I just feel like I'm like actively looking, like subconsciously actively looking for ways to tie her into anything that we ever talk about. I know. I think we have a quota. Probably. Um, also, yes, Views by Drake and Coloring Book were um, by Chance the Rapper were nominated. Ugh, I love, love, love Chance the Rapper. He's so good. Oh, and then Rap Performance, um, No Problem by Chance the Rapper. Panda, which is uh, a great song, objectively. It's so catchy. Okay, Quinn's looking at me like she doesn't support bears. No, so. the, the problem here is that I don't listen to a lot of rap and hip-hop, and Jillian really, really does. <laughs> and so she knows all the words to everything. It's honestly a little shocking, we and I'm just a, like, we what? <laughs> I brought Quinn as my date to a formal um, a few weeks ago, and at the pre-party, there was the song Caroline by Amine and I literally knew every single word and I didn't know whether to be embarrassed or impressed with myself. Probably the latter, but after seeing Quinn's expression, I probably should have been more embarrassed than anything. No, it was wonderful. I just didn't know what it was. 
I also want to give a shout out to uh, Panic at the Disco being nominated for Best Rock Album. Oh, yes. Love all Panic the, at the Disco. All the artists from, um, you know, my middle school days. Blink-182. Ugh, amazing. Amazing. Also, Quinn, did you know there's a Grammy for spoken word? Spoken word, including audiobooks? So, okay, so Quinn... We, Quinn objectively has the most soothing voice ever in the history of voices that are soothing. And... Quinn, you should make an audiobook, and then you can win a Grammy, and then you can take me as your date to the award ceremony. Yeah, Jillian thinks that um, I have a very calming voice. Okay, everyone I've talked to has said that, I including my mother. That. <laughs> including your mother. I've never met your mother. She's a lovely woman. No, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, she she does think you have a lovely voice. So, oh, I appreciate that. No, my favorite fact about this though is. This means that both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton actually have Grammys because they won Grammys for their spoken word audiobooks. And once you win, you will literally have the same award as Obama and Hillary. You can put that on your resume. That's all I'd ever want, honestly. Ugh, amazing. Okay, I'm gonna quit podcasting and just do audiobooks until I win a Grammy. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) Oh, I'll write a book in German and you can do that. Oh my god, no. You can make German sound more soothing. Not that German's already soothing. Puts me to... It's so calming. You're so weird. (laughs) Also, while we're talking about Grammy nominations, I do have to talk about the nominations for Best Musical Theater Album. I don't know if I've had the chance to talk about musical theater on this podcast so far. Quinn loves musical theater. But now I have an excuse. So let's do a very brief rundown. The nominations... Obviously, last year, Hamilton won the Grammy for... Best Musical Theater Album. I mean, obviously. As it should have. This year, the nominations are Bright Star, The Color Purple, Fiddle on the Roof, Kinky Boots, and Waitress. And I'm not sure who's going to win. Really good contenders this year. But I think I would put my money on The Color Purple or Waitress. Waitress, I heard, was really good. Wait, hasn't Fiddler on the Roof been out for a while? Yeah, I think The the Color Purple and Fiddler on the Roof were both revivals. Oh, Um, okay, okay, that makes sense. Kinky Books came out, like, a couple years ago, though. I don't know why it's nominated this year. I don't know how Grammy nominations work. It's very confusing. Yeah. My big award show, obviously, is the Tonys, and that's quite simple. Like, if they're in the Tonys that year, they came out that year, and, like, since the last Tonys, it's... I don't know how Grammys work at all. Megan Trainer won Best New Artist last year after winning a Grammy the previous year in a, in a different category. It's very confusing. But in this case, um, I just, I know that no one cares about this but me, but I, I want to put that out on the record um, so that if I am correct, I can be happy about it later. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So basically, just really happy with Grammy nominations this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually don't watch award shows besides the Tonys, but I might watch the Grammys. They do usually have good performances. We'll see. Yeah. I like to just, like, keep updated on my Twitter timeline. News yeah. Feed, whatever. That is how I often watch major events, is I just read my Twitter timeline. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially when you're in college and TV access is somewhat limited. Uh-huh. Speaking of college... So someone actually went ahead and took us up on our offer to actually answer questions that are asked in five-star iTunes reviews. Speaking of which, review our podcast on iTunes. And ask us questions. Yeah, so uh, the deal is if you give us a five-star review and say something nice about us and then ask us a question, we will answer it on the podcast. And um, I don't know what this person's name is. Their username on this is pop222. So, hey. And... Very nice response. And then they also asked us, what are the best and worst classes we've taken at college and why? Mm. Okay, yeah. So aside from my libertarian economics class and any German class ever, I really enjoyed this one class on witches and literature about witches through the ages, which was really cool. Um, And then also I took a class on Jay-Z once. So that was interesting. Um, Learned a lot about his life. So... Yeah, that's always very, if you ever, very academic. If you ever need someone, if you ever need a Jay-Z expert, I'm your girl. Um, my least favorite class was um, an intermediate microeconomic theory class because it's a requirement for the econ major. And, you know, low-key ruined my life and made me consider switching my major. But other than that, I feel like I learned a lot from it as a person, not really necessarily academically. 
Um, and also, this was the class where I put the most ridiculous answers for test questions. Like, one of the questions on the test was, it was just a long word problem, and then it was like, how much did the tax increase, blah, 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 blah. And I literally wrote yes. Just wrote yes. How much did the tax... Yes. <laughs> That's like my personality. <laughs> your turn, Quinn. What was your best slash worst class? Ooh, okay. So for my best classes that I've taken, I took a class last year on science fiction. It was an Ooh. English class, and we read a lot of science fiction short stories and books, and it was super interesting. A lot of really good stuff, including, by the way, the short story that the movie Arrival was based on. I haven't seen the movie yet. Heard it's really good. The short story that it's called Stories, the Story of Your Life, and it's amazing. So um, check that out, especially if you liked Arrival. And then this semester, I took a seminar on arts and urban culture. Because um, So I'm a sociology major, and so I was in this class, and it was only 10 people and the professor, and we just talked a lot about the way cities are built and the culture in cities and the arts scene. Um, and it was really interesting. And also the class was just 10 women, which was super cool. The professor was a man, but he was really cool too. <laughs> uh, so it was a really interesting dynamic for the class. That's awesome. The worst class I've taken in college is computer science, oh, no. which I'm taking right now, and I mentioned earlier. I'm done very soon, which is lovely. Coding is cool. See, this is what I do to myself, because my other least favorite class was I took Chinese for two years. Notice I took it for two years, and I'm counting it as one of my least favorite classes, but um, because I take these things that are really interesting to me, like coding or Chinese, and there's stuff that I love learning, but the class itself is so intensive and fast-paced, and I do so many things in my life that I really don't have the time to devote myself to them, especially because I'm not naturally good at either of them at all. I'm terrible at them naturally. Um, So then I just end up kind of crashing and burning constantly. But I'm almost done now, so it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, we got through the whole episode without going, it's fine. (laughs) No, I feel like this was one of our more positive episodes, so that's good. Yeah, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, well, you win some, you lose most. Am I wrong? I don't know, maybe we'll just increase from optimism on here on out. Maybe, maybe. She said, not believing that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) She said while slowly shaking her head. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today. You can find the show on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet at us or send us a DM. You can also contact us through a contact form and see our show notes at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me, Jillian. Thanks for talking with me, Quinn. <laughs> I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our Mixed Feelings. Once I was seven years old, <laughs> Mama told me, get yourself some friends or you'll be lonely. Once yeah. I was... <laughs> I want to cut that. <laughs>